Welcome to the Bruins Benders Podcast, Season 2, Episode 26, Bruins Battling Boredom with Maddie and Smitty, brought to you on the Inside the Rink Podcast Network, InsideTheRink.com. is your one-stop shop for all your NHL and ECHL news, insight, and analysis. Follow on Twitter at Inside underscore the underscore rink, and download the Inside the Rink app to get everything on the website right on your phone, and Smitty will tell us now how you can sign up for ESPN+. Yeah, you can sign up for ESPN Plus. Uh, you can go to the InsideTheRink.com website and sign up at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. I have ESPN Plus. I love all the out-of-market hockey games. You get college sports and much, much more. So sign up for ESPN Plus at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN. And we get right into some weekend review. March the 23rd versus the hated Montreal Canadiens. At home at TD Garden, the first time Montreal and only time Montreal comes into the Garden. A 4-2 to win for Boston. Brad Marchand jumps Pitlick right after a late hit on Bergeron. Love to see that. Canadians get better as the game goes on, though. The rivalry kind of snuck back in a little bit. But the Bruins get the win because they're better. And it wasn't. It certainly wasn't their best effort. No, it really wasn't their best effort. Uh, and the and the on play against Pitlick really was the highlight of that game. There really wasn't a whole bunch of uh, excitement, uh, other than you know you know some some you know bubbling hate maybe a little bit underneath the surface. But they don't play each other enough for it to to really matter. And it and rivalries really aren't any good unless both teams are good. And it hasn't been that way. Uh, in this rivalry for a long time, Montreal's been down for for quite a few years and and uh, uh, haven't really been particularly relevant in the division. So until that happens, uh, you know the Bruins' rivals are really more Tampa and Toronto right now. I would say. I would say so too, and it's too bad that. I mean, I think the league looks, needs to look at the schedule, especially if they want to pump the rivalries on rivalry night. You better have some rivalries. <laughs> Uh, to do that. Uh, and they don't right now because they just spread the schedule out too thin. And, and now with expansion, maybe coming around the corner could be even less. So that's not a good sign uh, for the league. And I think Montreal and, and Boston, it, they should be playing five or six times a year. And Montreal should not be coming in in March as the first game in Boston. It's just absurd. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't like that one bit. Uh, March 25th versus Tampa Bay, a two to one win. It's a playoff atmosphere. Tampa wanted this one having lost their last three. They come out hard wanting to prove their toughness and bully the Bruins a bit. Lauco and Colton Maroon and Hathaway both fight off the puck drop. Bruins get a bunch of power plays in the first 10 minutes and cash in only once on a good bounce for Bergeron's 27th of the year. But most of the power plays were complete trash, and Tampa scores shorthanded an absolute rocket from Hedman that ramped up McAvoy's stick. It's tied one-to-one after one. Tight physical game in the second, but the Bees get one late. Matt Grizzlick gets a puck to the net, and, and it was Garnett Hathaway who bangs it home from the top of the crease for the game winner. The Bees looked, uh, locked it down in the third, were first on pucks, winning puck battles, good puck management, really finished the game well. Just the type of third you'd like to see in the playoffs when you're trying to close out a team with a lead. Yeah, it was a it was a real good win against a uh, you know a Tampa Bay team that uh, was hungry for a win, uh, wanted to prove something to the Bruins, tried to come into Boston and really bully them right off the opening uh, faceoff. Really tried to uh, take it to the Bruins and and 
up their physicality and the Bruins withstood that test and, and played a real good game overall. Uh, like you said, they really locked it down in the third uh, with excellent puck management, uh, good goaltending, you know, winning puck battles and puck races. And, and really Tampa really didn't have much uh, at all uh, as far as chances went in the third period. So the Bruins kind of closed this, this one out uh, in a way that you would like to see come, uh, come playoff time. And it was the the next game, the sec the next day, second of a back to back at Carolina, which you really thought would be a schedule loss, especially with no Bergeron, no Marchand, no Lindholm, no Hall, no Felino, no Forbort. So that's six players that will be in the playoff lineup, not in, uh, but still a great first two periods on the road by the Bees. Pasta gets his fiftieth and fifty first goals. Lauko gets one. It's three run Bruins at the end of two, and you think, wow, this is quite. Quite a good effort from a team that's shorthanded. Lauko gets hurt. His right leg folds sort of awkwardly underneath him, but somehow has an upper body injury. Yeah, maybe uh, it was he, maybe he wrenched his back or something the way he folded maybe. there or something like yeah. that. Uh, it didn't look good at all. It looked like uh, it could have been some kind of a PCL or some kind of a uh, like a lower leg injury with the way that his skate kind of bent and his leg kind of bent underneath him there. So uh, Bruins, you know, catch a break there because Lauco's been really good for them uh, since he stepped in and played really playing his role well. He has, and uh, beginning of the third was pretty awful period by the Bruins. The, the Hurricanes get two goals in around three minutes early on. Mont, Mont, Montgomery calls a timeout, which is a good one. And the Bruins get their game back, even third and overtime. Both teams with great chances. Swayman was excellent when called on late. In the shootout, it was all Boston. Coyle scores in round one. DeBrusque wins it in round two. Good resilience from the Bruins after they cough up the lead against the Carolina team that's battling for the Metro Division title. The Bruins tie the franchise record for wins in a season with 57. That's pretty impressive. I mean, a pretty impressive win considering all the circumstances. Like they started off well and you're like, okay, you know, they're going to ride this. They're going to keep the momentum. Uh, Everything's going their way. And then Carolina with a big push in the third, um, you know, the Bruins are kind of caught flat-footed. They started awfully in the third period, which, you know, it's hard to explain after how well they played in the first two. Uh, But Montgomery calls that timeout and kind of gets them back on the rails. And then it was a pretty even game after that, even though the Bruins ones were down all those players and uh and they somehow find a way to win it in the shootout so uh you know pretty good resiliency uh from the guys that were there Swayman was really good uh when he was called upon late and and in the shootout so uh a really nice road win uh in what should have been a scheduled loss on the on the second night of a back-to-back with travel uh also so uh a really good win against a really good team that 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 was the Bruins also their first win in Carolina since like the 2019 uh, playoffs, I believe. Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, you know, mm-hmm. getting a little bit of a monkey off their back there as well, which was uh, which was nice because I have a feeling that uh, Carolina might be a team they see uh, a little bit here in the future. Well, of course, last year they lost all four at Carolina in the playoffs. Uh, there was the bubble in there, and so there wasn't a lot of opportunity to play in Carolina, but it had been four years uh, since they had won there, so that was good for them. And I, and I sensed that even though they were sitting people, that they really wanted to prove that they could beat Carolina on the road mm-hmm. because that could be a potential playoff uh uh, you know, opponent later on. And it really looked like they were up for it just because they had guys out kind of rallied around each other. Mm-hmm. So a lot of, you know, a lot of grit and uh, you know, a lot of energy trying to win a game that really they don't need to win. Uh, but I think in that case they wanted to, um, 
But lo and behold, two days later, they had shot their load because on March the 28th against Nashville at home, this was just a total dud from the get-go. The crowd was half asleep. Yeah. It was just, it seemed like a preseason game. It like really it did. just an awful feeling to this game. Yeah. Um, a total dud. No engagement at all whatsoever. Uh, just kind of going through the motions, 40 minutes of nothing. Power play was bad. Uh, again, the Predators uh, get a good bounce and, and glass scores. Then on the empty netter, it was Jeremy Lozon <laughs> who scored from like 190 feet. Yeah. Uh, Pasta scored his 52nd with about a, less than a second to go to spoil the shutout. The positives were that they escaped with no injuries, uh, and Allmark was still very good in this one, but certainly a forgettable game and one that you won't even remember because it was just so uneventful. Yeah, that's this game certainly won't make any uh, any DVDs or anything like no, that no, about, about you know, this, yeah, the, yeah, not even a season review, season in review. They'll just skip right no. over this one. Uh, yeah, just a pretty forgettable game all around. Uh, you know, other than Pasta getting his fifty second, um, not much, not much, uh, not much good in this one. No, not at all. And this is one of those games you kind of felt was going to happen eventually. I think. Yeah. Um, and even Marcian has talked about the the schedule being the toughest schedule he's ever faced. He's already talked about how how he hasn't felt one hundred percent when he thought he would, or felt as good as he thought he would after the double hip surgery. Uh, there's certainly concerns about him and his play a little bit, but I think the schedule is really weary. And we'll talk a little bit about the guys who sit and don't sit, but uh, it really is coming to a point now where they really have to sit some guys. I think because I think that game really showed you that. You know, they've kind of checked out a little bit. It's really hard to get up for these games. And I think it's time now to really, you know, really sit a bunch of the core guys because this is an older team that, you know, this playoffs is going to be a grind. Everybody's going to be up for them. So I think this is a time where you need to sit people these last eight games or so. Yeah, back-to-backs every weekend to close out the season is yeah, just so absolutely terrible. Like, that's just yeah. – that's awful scheduling by the league. Um, you know, with travel, too. I mean, it just – it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, they no. play a light schedule early in the season, and then they just destroy them in the second half of the season with these back-to-backs to end to close out the season. It's just uh, – it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I don't think all the teams are facing it. I mean, certainly other teams have back-to-backs, but not every single weekend with travel it doesn't feel like so uh Bruins catch kind of a short end of the stick there but they they certainly do need to start resting guys because um you know they need them to be fresh when the playoffs start yeah I think I I hate I I mean I just don't want us to go back to this when it all is said and done and they don't win the Stanley Cup and say that the schedule was a factor no I mean you can't use it as an excuse you got to play what's in front of you Right. Um, but it, but it, but it could kind of be, you know, because if they play all this hockey and of course they can manage it themselves because they have such a lead. So they, they need to be smarter about this. They do. So that it's not an excuse when it comes down to it because they have the luxury, even with the poor scheduling to, to set guys. Yeah. So even, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you can't afford to have like six guys sit out because you can't bring that many guys up from from Providence with your salary cap things and, and that nature. But you can certainly you can certainly dole out the ice time differently. Like, sure. you know, if if if, uh, you know, 
AJ Greer is playing seven minutes a night. That could certainly be Patrice Bergeron or Brad Marchand playing seven sure. minutes a night. Yeah, and you give AJ give AJ Greer twenty minutes a night. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter win the doesn't win or matter. lose the rest of the games. It doesn't matter if you go out and play the right way during your particular shifts, and you happen to lose, so be it. But um, you know, you really have to start gearing up now for the playoffs. That's the most important thing. The regular season records and the President's Trophy, you're going to get those anyways. You need one more win, I think, to get the President's Trophy. Your regular season record, I think you need one more win for that to to beat the Bruins record, you know, best, most wins of all time. So, like, those things will happen. There's eight games left. You're not going to lose all eight. But, uh, you know, let's let's be smart about it and start gearing things up uh, for the playoffs. Yeah, and I agree, and I and I think that now is the time in this last because you know the playoffs begin in August. You know, I'm sorry, April seventeenth. So you're talking like three weeks from now, three weeks from Monday. Um, so you know, it's just really time right now to start setting some guys. And you show that you can beat win at Carolina with six guys out. Yeah, like you can you can still win games and be competitive because you're very deep. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's time to do that. Um, all right, time now. For Seven Chirps, and it's sponsored by Lops Brewing. Lops is a brewery and tasting room in downtown Woonsocket, Rhode Island, specializing in small batch ales and lagers. It's open seven days a week. Use the coupon code SPORTS to get 10% off your online order. Go to lopsbrewing.com. Follow them at Lops Brewing for new beers and events on social media. And Chirp number one, Mike Milbury was recently on WEI, talked about the goalie platoon that he had with Andy Moog and Reggie Lemelin back in 88-90. Could the Bruins platoon the goaltenders in the playoffs? I think that's a possibility. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not something you really see very often anymore just because there's so many variables that go with that like what if you're platooning a guy you know the guy has a shutout in game one you're not you're going to take him out and go to the other guy in game two then you know there's the whole thing of you know if if the guy wins game one the next guy loses game two you and and then uh you know the guy wins game three are you going to go back to the guy that lost game two for game four if, if right. you know, the other guy's won two and that guy hasn't won any. So, I mean, price. so there's right. things like that that make it kind of, you know, not something you see every day. But the Bruins have done it all year long and both goalies are having success. I think the I think the Stanley Cup playoffs is an absolute grind, especially mm-hmm. mentally for goaltenders. So I think to to give a guy a game and then give him a break mentally, I think would would maybe do wonders for them. And it's what they've done kind of all year long. So I could see them possibly doing it. Would I do it? I don't think so. I think I would go with, with a guy and be like, this is our guy and we're going to ride him. Uh, and then, you know, if you get into trouble, then you go to the other guy. Um, but, but overall, I think I would stick personally, I would stick with the one goaltender and, and ride, you know, ride your ride all Mark or whoever you deem to be the guy that is the game one starter. Right, and I think Allmark has something to prove because last year he wasn't very good, and then they went to Swayman at the end of that series. Uh, so I think Allmark will be ready to go. I think you know Monty's already said that that Allmark would start Game One and be the goaltender to go. So I think he's got the net until there's any type of crack, or if they're up, say three nothing in a series, they may put Swayman in there. It's a good luxury to have, mm-hmm. um, but I don't. I, I it just leaves it up for questioning if you like. You said Allmark wins game one. You go to Swayman in game two, he loses. Now you go to Allmark in game three, he wins. Now go back to Swayman. Just leaves it up for a debate. 
uh, leaves it up for questioning. I don't think the coach would put himself in that position. And Allmark's been the Vezina guy. So I, I don't know how you could not play him, um, you know, every, every game until he falters in some way. Um, all right, number two now. Harvey McCarthy asked on Twitter, what is your Bruins all-time bus team? So two defense Three forwards and a goaltender. Okay, I I actually uh, I did this earlier today, and I actually had a had quite a bit of fun doing it and, and looking up some of these uh, some of these guys. So uh, do you want to do you want to do each one of us do our do our position and yeah. give our guy, and then we'll move on to the next position? Or you yeah, want me to give you that. give you my whole yeah, team? All right. So uh, we'll start with center. So I have um, Zach Hamill, who was selected okay. eighth overall in two thousand seven. Okay. In in twenty NHL games, no goals, four assists, four points, uh, and the Bruins, the Bruins with the very next pick could have had Logan Couture, uh, who went ninth overall. Logan had uh, three hundred twenty one goals, three hundred seventy three assists, six hundred ninety four points uh, so far in nine hundred nineteen games, uh, and they were both centers. So uh, the Bruins maybe maybe missed on that one. So that's my uh, center bus, center bus. <laughs> There, <laughs> yeah, that's 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 poor. Uh, that's that's not very good. Logan Gautour would look would have looked very nice uh, in a uh, Boston uniform. Certainly would have, uh, no question. And center for me, Joe Colborn mm-hmm. uh, actually had a. Well, I don't, I don't want to say good. No, he didn't. Okay. It was not a good okay. career at all. Okay, Calorelli, he was with the Calgary Flames and so forth, but he was the 16th overall pick in 2008 in the 2008 NHL draft by the Boston Bruins. Uh, and he was picked uh, before uh, many other good players. And uh, he was uh, sort of a bust, I would say. Uh, he played 50, uh, 61 games with the Providence Bruins, Never actually played with the Boston Bruins. So that's a poor draft pick <laughs> yeah. at 16. How about back to back years going center, center, and just strike yeah. out, strike out? Oh, I'm in a big way. Big way. Big, as big bad way. As you can be. Yeah. Really. All right. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to go defense now here. Okay. Uh, and this one might be a little controversial to some because he's, he's kind of beloved around here a little bit. But I'm going with Gord Kluzak, who was the first okay. o- overall selection in 1982. He played, uh, he played 299 games, but had 25 goals, 98 assists, 123 points. So that doesn't sound like a bust. But right. he only played 299 games because he had knee problems that shortened his career. He had a knee injury going into that draft, so the knee problems were there before he was picked. So that was a red flag, I would say. Um, and then with the um, with the Bruins could have had Scott Stevens at number five. He was a pretty good yeah. defenseman. He played 1,635 good. games, 196 Goals, 712 assists, 908 points, uh, and he was a Conn Smythe winner and, and a Hall of Famer. Uh, or he could have, they could have had Phil Housley, <laughs> Phil Housley at six, who played 1,495 games, uh, 338 goals, 894 assists, 1,232 points, and also a Hall of Famer. So they passed up two Hall of Fame defensemen at five and six and selected Gord Kluzak first overall. 
Yeah, and it's too. I mean, it's too bad. I mean, I think Gobe was a you know pretty good player. Just his his injuries were bad, and and Scott Stevens is just a you know an all timer. Yeah, uh, that's that was a poor that was a poor selection. Yeah, uh, no offense to Gord, of course, the smart guy, and yeah, of course. You know, I, I mean, yeah, he's a great guy, guy and, and yeah, I mean, yeah. I think he I think he headed up Mass Lottery, didn't he? Or something? Yeah, I mean, it's it's no nothing personal against yeah. Gord. He's no. he is a <laughs> by by all accounts he's a fantastic guy and. and and, you know, he, he had a pretty good career for the Bruins. He just didn't have careers like those two guys had, no. uh, who the Bruins could have selected. Uh, and, you know, they would have ended up with a with a Hall of Fame defenseman rather than a guy who only was able to play 299 games. Sure, but I, I'll tell you who didn't play 299 games for the Boston Bruins. That was Lars Janssen. <laughs> who, uh, who is that? I don't know if I ever heard of him before. Overall pick. Seventh uh, overall? Seventh overall pick by the Boston Bruins in 2000. Oh my God. Uh, and he was picked uh, six picks before Ron Hainsey, who played over a thousand games in the NHL. Okay. And also Brooks Orpik, who played down the street at Chestnut Hill. Yeah. Uh, but they decided not to pick him. Uh, they picked uh, Lars Johnson mm-hmm. instead. And uh, I'm not sure Lars, uh, in fact, he did not. He played eight NHL games total. For the Philadelphia Flyers, not even for the Boston Bruins, uh, and played most of his career in uh, Sweden. Uh, Just wasn't uh, very good at all. Uh, Six foot one, 207, and he was the seventh overall pick. Unbelievable. The Bruins uh, passed up on Hainsey and Orpik, who each played over 1,000 games. Unbelievable. All right, so uh, here we go. Uh, The next D, I'm going Matt Lashoff. He was picked 22nd overall in 2005. Yeah. Uh, Matthew had one goal, 15 assists, 16 points yeah, in 74 yeah. games. Yeah. Uh, they could have had Matt Niskanen, who went 28th. Mark Edward Vlasic went 35th. Uh, and this is a little bit more of a reach because, you know, everybody passed on him. But Chris Letang was picked 62nd in that draft. So yeah. uh, all three of those guys were defensemen who were <laughs> better than Matt Lash off was so uh yeah missed out there a little bit so matt lash off my other defenseman bust yeah that was a that was a poor pick uh uh matt lash off right before peter kalus and miko letton and and jonathan siglet uh the good old john and wacy rabbit was in that uh (laughs) draft uh not not strong not strong i think i would have rather drafted eddie rabbit <laughs> he has a couple couple big hits. Love a rainy night. Yeah, you you love a rainy night. You do. Um all right, so uh pick uh okay, my defenseman, left shot defenseman back in nineteen ninety six, Jonathan Aiken. Yeah uh, played three games for the Boston Bruins. <laughs> three. Uh and he was the eighth overall pick in the nineteen ninety six NHL draft. And he was not very good. Dinah Zubris, Marty Reasoner, Derek Morris was picked. Yep. Five picks after him by mm-hmm. Calgary. Uh, just not. Danielle Briere was in that first round. Just not very, very good. And, uh, <laughs> and Jonathan Aiken uh, played, let me see, played 135 games for Providence and then three for the Bruins. And ended up playing 41 for the Blackhawks in 2003 somehow, but that was about it for Jonathan. That, yeah, so we'll, that, yeah, not not strong. No, not strong at all. So we'll go with wings now, and and it can't be it can't be a bust an all bust team 
without somebody from 2015. You just can't yes. do it. So we got to go Zachary Sinitian, Sinitian okay. 15th yeah. overall in 2015. He had one goal, two assists, three points in 16 NHL games. Uh, that is not good. They could have had Matt Barzal, uh, a pick later at 16. Kyle Connor, a pick after Barzal at 17. Joel Erickson Eck went 20th. Uh, there was a ton of guys in this draft. This draft was stacked. Uh, all those guys picked right around the same area as Sinitian uh, are still playing now and have had yeah. really, really good NHL careers. Uh, so, uh, And I'm also pretty sure that all three of those guys have had one, two, three totals in a single game. Yes. In one single game, never mind yeah. 16. So, like, yeah. Barzal, Connor, and Erickson Eck have all had a goal and two assists in a single game. It took Zach yeah. Sinitian 16 games to get that total, and then uh, he was done. So, that yeah. is that that's, is poor. That's not strong. That's not strong. Uh, all right, my center back from 1989, Shane Stevenson. <laughs> Shane played uh, 19 games for the Boston Bruins in his entire career, had zero goals, one assist in 19 games, ended up playing eight for the Lightning in 92-93, had zero goals and one assist. He did not score a goal in NHL in his career, and Shane was picked with the 17th overall pick in 1989, uh, two picks before Olaf Kolzig. He was picked uh, five picks before Adam Foote, who had an excellent career as a defenseman mm-hmm. for Quebec and Colorado. Um, Patrice Brisebois was in there. Byron Defoe was later. I mean, just about everybody was later. And uh, <laughs> that was not even Louis DeBrusque was later than him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was a bad, uh, bad pick back in a, in a bus for sure. Shane Stevenson, 17th overall in 89. Not, uh, not strong. Yeah, so uh, now we're going to go with my other winger uh, and Patrice Bergeron's good buddy from uh, from Quebec. Jordan Caron was picked 25th overall in 2009. 12 goals, 16 assists, 28 points, and 157 NHL games. Uh, they could have had Kyle Palmieri uh, at 26th overall or Ryan O'Reilly was 33rd mm-hmm. overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those guys still playing and having uh, wonderful NHL careers. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly, obviously a Conn Smythe winner uh, mm-hmm. with St. Louis. So, uh, yeah. you know, Jordan Caron not exactly tearing it up with 20, 28 points on 157 NHL games. No, not, not, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, not at all. Uh, okay, my, my right winger, Jordan Caron uh, was... Uh, yeah, that's what I just said, yeah. Bust. You yeah. did? Yeah, I just you said. said yeah, oh, Caron. Did you say Caron? That was just him, just now. Oh, you just say Caron. Yeah. Okay, maybe I should pay attention to the program. <laughs> uh, yeah. But Jordan you can Caron. you can pick him, He's too, because it was pretty asshole. bad. Because it was pretty yeah, bad. Double, double asshole. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not not a great pick at all. Um, you, know who was a, you know who was a bust for the Bruins? I thought it was Wes Walls. Yeah. And Wes Walls was picked uh, in the first round by the Boston Bruins. Actually had a, a decent career like 10 years later. Yeah, once he left Minnesota, Boston. Yeah. But never did anything no. for Boston at all. And that was a that was a really bad pick at the time because at the time they picked him and he immediately became a bust for Boston. Uh, so Wes Walls was not a good pick at all. No, and so I'll go now to my my last one, uh, the goalie. I have Malcolm Subban, who was 24th overall in 2012. 36 wins, 33 losses, 9 ties in 86 uh, career games. A 310 goals against, which in this day and age is 
dreadful. Uh, and he had an 898 save percentage in his career, below 900 in his career. Um, could have had could have had Brady Shea at 28 or Tanner Pearson at 30, who were picked right around, right in that general area. So uh, a couple of guys who, um, you know, I think I'm pretty sure Shea is still playing, uh, and, yeah. and Pearson is obviously still yeah. playing. So. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, just not a good pick. And they, they had some, some goaltending depth at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. so, you know, it was kind of a head scratcher at the time when they, when they took him. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of, uh, a bust pick there. And that is my all bust team. Subban, Jordan Caron, Zach Sinitian, Matt Lashoff, Gord Kluzak, and Zach Hamill. Wow. That's a who's who of busts. It is. Uh, my goaltender, Hanu Toivinen, uh, 2002-29th overall pick. Actually had a decent, okay year, 20 games. He had he was 9-5-4, nine, 9-14 nine, save percentage. The next year, he was 3-9-1 with an 8-7-5, and then immediately played like uh, 23 more games for St. Louis, and then he was out of the league. Uh, Toivonen was the 29th overall pick. He just edged out Blaine Locker, and the only reason why I didn't keep Locker, because Locker had that one good year, but he was undrafted. He was actually won a national championship with Lake, Lake Superior State. Yes. Uh, and then they signed him because John Casey got hurt. Mm-hmm. They had some real goalie troubles. He really burst onto the scene and surprised a lot of people. Yeah. And then immediately flatlined Brian Sutter. I actually read about playing Locker today. Brian Sutter was fired. He was the biggest proponent of Locker. And as soon as he was fired, Locker didn't have much support. Uh, and then was immediately, almost immediately, out of the league yeah. after that. And that Lake Superior State team had four future Boston Bruins. Sandy Moger, Clayton Beddows, uh, Blaine Locker, and somebody else was on there. Four future Bruins on the national championship team that year in '92. Wow! Uh, but I picked Toivonen in because he's a he's a he's a first round pick. Yeah, that just didn't just didn't get it done. And no, I, he's only 38 years old now, and that's that's insane. It is. And I think he's still playing. In fact, I think I want to say was it the Maine Mariners? that had him join the team like on loan for like a game or two recently within the last couple of years, maybe because I I heard his name pop up again, but that was not a very good pick. No, certainly wasn't. Certainly wasn't. So there's your bus. Uh, There's plenty of bus in the history of the Boston Bruins. Yeah. Uh, And those, those are some of the real all timers telling you pretty, pretty bad, pretty bad. Uh, All right. So, Jerv number three. Game one of the postseason, potentially on Marathon Monday. Boy, that would be electric. It would be. Everybody be lubed. Everybody be lubed up for that one. Tell you. Jesus. Get get every yeah, get everybody out there. The Sox game going on. People are lubed up there. You got the marathon, you get lubed up there. Then you come over to the garden and hang around for a few hours. You get lubed up around Causeway Street. Have a head over to Sullivan's Tap, have a few, you know. Hit the hit the local establishments, watering holes there while you got a, a little time before the Bruins game, and then and then get after it on on the marathon Monday there. Uh, that would be uh, an electric crowd, I think, for the it for the be. start of the playoffs. That would be a great kickoff to to the playoffs. Was marathon Monday against you know? Hopefully, it's against Sid Crosby and the fucking Penguins. Yeah, let's get after it. Yeah, you know, that'd be a fun I, I one. Like that a lot. That'd be a fun one. Chirp uh, four: Dimitri Olov, Charlie McAvoy, and, and Hampus Lindholm aren't a part of the rest rotation 
for the defense, shouldn't they be? <laughs> yes. The answer yes. is yes. I think McAvoy. McAvoy. Yeah, I think McAvoy right now, his play slipped a little bit. He's turning the puck over kind of uncharacteristically. Uh, he looks a little tired, more mentally, I think, uh, although he did get cross-checked in the mouth, so that certainly didn't help. Um, nope. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's just probably got some some bumps and bruises that it, it would it would help him to give him a day, give him a game. Let him watch. Um, so I think those guys should be part of that rest rotation. Those guys are going to be the guys that are playing heavy minutes come come the playoffs. So those are the really the guys that should be resting now. It shouldn't be, you know, the guys who are going to play 12 minutes a night. It should be the guys who are going to be playing 25, 28 minutes a night. So those are the guys that need the rest, in my opinion. So those guys should certainly be a part of, of any kind of rest rotation thing they have going on here down the stretch. You know, I think one thing we've underestimated is the fact that McAvoy and and Marshan especially, major surgery, coming back, coming back early, and now missing all that training. You know what I'm saying? And now it's hitting a little bit of a wall Mm -hmm. that you don't really realize is going to happen when you don't get, you know, you you miss, you come in late and you immediately play NHL hockey. Right. And then now you're kind of running out of gas. And I think that's an issue. And I think we're seeing it with Marshy and I think we're seeing it with McAvoy. Like, yeah, it's, it was great that they were able to come back quickly, but did they come back too soon so that now they're kind of running out of gas, not having all the training and the conditioning and, and, and just being thrown back into the mix. And now it's sort of catching up to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think so. that might be a point. I think that might be true, you know? Yeah. So is that something that you think they need to work through and like stay in the lineup so they can fight through that? Or do you think they could use the rest right. to kind of rejuvenate themselves a little yeah. bit? It, 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 it really concerns me about Marshan because he's, he's, he's talking, he's talked recently with the schedule and with the fact that he's not a hundred percent or doesn't feel the way he thought he would. It's kind of a couple of negative comments that, lead me to believe that this is why his play is the way it is right now. Like I, I feel like he's in a little bit of a mental funk, Yeah. not only physically, but mentally because that's in his head. Like I don't feel as good as I thought the schedule sucks. Yeah. Like I think that's, that's leads me to be a little bit concerned about him as we go forward here. Now it's not the playoffs and maybe it all, maybe the playoffs just gives him the adrenaline and that's, that's it. But I think it's, I think it's a little concerning that he has openly come out and said those types of things. Yeah. I, I mean, it's I, characteristic of him to say that it, it isn't. And I, and I, to me, it sounds like he needs a mental break and I think McAvoy needs a mental break. So to me, I would sit some of those guys, um, you know, not, not every other game or anything like that, but maybe a couple times here, you know, in the, in the final eight, like some of those guys I feel like need to need to sit. You don't have to sit them all on the same night or anything, but you know, um, probably one or two games out of the last eight here, you know, give those guys a little bit of, of, a, of a mental break and, and try to get them geared up, you know, for what hopefully is a very long playoff run. Yeah. I, I yeah, I, I hope so. I, I really do. Uh, trip number five, Bruins signed Trevor Kuntar to an entry level two year deal starts with the 23, 24 season. He could go to Providence on an amateur tryout. He's a good bottom six candidate for next season. Um, and this actually, because of next year, is not one of the contracts. So I think the Bruins still have one more to get to 50. 
They do, I think, have one more contract to get to 50, right. and hopefully so this... Yeah, go probably. Then. Probably saving right. it for low Rye. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think he could be a, a candidate for bottom six next year. I mean, maybe they'll, they'll try to do the, you know, Merkulov Lysel type of thing. Will they keep him in Providence for a full year to get him acclimated to the professional game a little bit? Um, but if he, um, you know, comes in and on an amateur tryout now and kind of lights it up here with, with Providence and, and has a good playoff for them, uh, there's a, certainly a, a chance that he could start next season with Boston uh, as a, as a bottom six guy. Cause he's kind of a, you know, in the mold of like a Brendan Gallagher type where he gets to the front of the net. He's kind of a pain in the ass. He has a low center of gravity has a really Really good shot. He gets to the dirty areas. He, you know, it's kind of a fire hydrant, spark pluggy type of guy. Uh, so that could certainly fit in well with the with the Bruins on the bottom six. And I think Kutar uh, has come on offensively because I there were some questions about him his offensive production. Yeah. And this past year, he he had a very good year. I mean, he he had thirteen goals and and sixteen assists in thirty four games. I mean, and he was playing with Andre Gasol, and he was he had you know kind of Gauthier's on the team. He had some talent there, Oscar Jelvic. Yeah. You know, they had some young talent there and they came along as the year went on and I think Kutar did too offensively so I think you know I think he's still a bottom six kind of guy it'll just it'll just remain to be seen uh, if he's going to be able to make that jump but I think what you what you said is correct like his his stature his fire hydrant he's strong you know he's 200 pounds like he I think he can handle the physicality mm-hmm. of the league um, it's just a matter of the production you know, can he can he do that? The Bruins could certainly use that. Uh, could use a Kuntar and a Beecher and a McLaughlin mm-hmm. to to take up those spots, particularly on the fourth line. Um, but it'll remain to be seen if he can do that. I think you'll see him play a pretty much a full year, maybe a call up here or there if they're desperate. But I think you see him play a full year of Providence. I would say. Um, all right, chirp number six. Mason Lowry has finished his collegiate season. What do you think he does? Could he get into an NHL game at the end of the year? Uh, I think he comes out. I think he comes out and signs his uh, his entry level deal with the Bruins. Uh, I don't think he really has anything more to prove at the collegiate level. Uh, I think he was one of uh, you know for the for the Final Four uh, bracket he was in. I think he was a uh, you know whatever all tournament team or whatever for the, whatever region he was in. Uh, he had a he had a really good. Um, frozen four um you know tournament and uh you know had a really good year at ohio state uh they said he's really focused uh on his defense and was much better defensively this year than he was last year uh he still has a ways to go but he's he's big he can skate he has great offensive instincts uh so all those things bode well for him uh going forward so i would i could see him uh signing and and playing with providence in the playoffs and and maybe you know a mcavoy type situation where he's down there and he plays a few games and things go well and they and they bring him up if you know they have uh an injury or two or something along those lines where where they need uh, a guy yeah, I, you know, he's 22. Like, he's getting older. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's not 20, not 19. Like, he's, I think, I think he's, you know, the Bruins are probably really pressing him to come out, I would assume. Like, I, I think that they're, like you said, saving that contract. I think they want him to come out uh, and sign his entry-level deal and get to Providence and get it going. Like, I think he, I think they want him to do that. Um, 
something tells me he might stay another year. Like, I don't know. It's, it's, a, I don't know. I have a, I have a, I have a feeling that it's not a hundred percent decided right now. And now that he's tasted the frozen four, I mean, he, he may do that, but then you're getting into like 23 and like toward the end of next season, like the, ne- the next season, like 24 as a pro, like it's getting to be, it's getting to be a little later. You know what I mean? So I, um, you know, hockey players, I don't know. I, I just, I, I kind of want him to come out now. Um, but I don't know if it's, if it's such in stone, whether he'll come back. I think the Bruins are going to really press him to do so. Cause I think he needs to get to the pro game and start doing that thing. And I think it would behoove them because then they could, then they could move a car. Like they could, they could help their salary cap situation. They could move a Carlo or a Grizzly or a, and they could slide him in there at a, at a low level contract. Yeah. I mean, uh, if he's, if he's, if he plays a, a year in Providence, you know, and then some of those guys are, are up, you know, after, you know, next year, right. you know, your four boards or, or, you know, your Grizzly one year, you know, away from his contract being up, you know, maybe you trade a Grizzly or, or, you know, Forbert's done and, and he slides into that spot on the third pair and kind of grows into something else, uh, you know, something a little bit better, hopefully. Right. Um, you know, so there's, they certainly have some options there. Uh, so I, I think, you know, the Bruins, like you said, I, I definitely going to press him to, to come out and, and sign that deal. I think. I, I wonder if here's something I wonder, I wonder if he stays at OSU that, that if that affects the Dmitry Orloff conversation i wonder if they if he decides not to come out and waits another year i wonder if they try to sign orlov uh for like a four-year deal i think they should do it anyway personally i do too i really do i think if of all the guys i think they should keep orlov because then like we talked about your top four is set for like four years yeah like you're, you're good right there like yeah you're good I, I feel like they should. And then, and then if you, if you can, you know, that's where you plug, you know, a guy like low Ryan at the third pair, like Forbert goes, cause you know, you're not going to pay a third pair guy sure. that much money when you're giving Orlov, you know, whatever he's going to command. Uh, so you save money on that last pair. You have uh low Ryan and whoever you're going to, you're going to have to replace Clifton too. Cause he's going to walk with uh, mm-hmm. the amount of money that he's going to command too. So whether it's low Ryan and Zaboral or Zaboral and someone else until low rise ready. Um, but yeah, I think that's where, you know, maybe the Bruins could save a little money on that, on that last pair. And, and you try to get Ol- Orlov signed to, like you said, like a four or five year deal in there where um, you really have your top four D locked in for uh, some years to come. Right. Uh, all right. Chart number seven. How do you fix the Bruins power play? Michael Felger on 98.5 The Sports Hub advocated for Thomas Nosek replacing David Pasternak while the Bruins power play top uh, power play unit on Wednesday afternoon radio. Sit him down, he says. Sit him down. It blows me away. Do you watch the game? Shouldn't the turnover leader take a seat? Uh, my answer to that would be no. Uh, <laughs> He, he may, score, he how about scores. how about this? How about this? He may lead the team in turnovers, but you know you know what else he leads the team in? Goals. goals. You know what else? Power play goals. Right. So 
<laughs> my opinion no. would be to keep that guy on the fucking power play. That would yes. be my opinion is yeah. to keep the leading goal scorer on the team on the goddamn power play. Yes. Uh, and, you know, if you want to put Nosek out there on a power play unit, you know, fantastic. He can go on right. the second unit and replace somebody at net front. Fine. Right. You want to, you want to do that? Go ahead. Um, as to how to, to fix the power play, they need to simplify. They need to simplify. Uh, they've, their zone entries are, are bad. They make poor decisions uh, at the blue line and they make poor decisions. Once they get the puck in, it seems like it's a blind pass or it's a drop pass. So they pull up just inside the blue line, all things that just, you know, the other team is scouted. They know you're going to do that. They close on you quickly. They they take away space and time, and then you you know they are clearing the puck on you. So the the entries have to improve. They have to make better decisions on the entries. Uh, and then once they get set up, they can't force the puck through people. The down low plays seem to be open. And they're just not going to it enough. They're trying to force the puck through to Pasternak, or they're trying to force it to Bergeron in the bumper. Um, those type of plays don't appear to be there right now. And you can't force plays when you have an extra guy. Pass the puck to the open man. If they go down low to, to DeBrusque at the net front, he can go cross-crease to Pasternak, or he can do that little play that like the Rangers run and Minnesota runs where it's a quick pass down low and then a pass back to the bumper for a one-timer. So right. like s- quick little triangle passing plays that are open, Rather than forcing the puck through things, it's the decision making and the entries are what the problem is. And until they decide, until they're not stubborn with those type of plays, it's not going to get any better. It's not going right. to get any better. I'll tell you right now, and I've told you before, the guy I would put down there for the little dump down to the bumper is Pertuzzi. I'd put Pertuzzi behind the net or to the side of the net. I'd dump it down to him and I'd let him pass it out to whoever the fuck is open. Mm-hmm. And, and make, I would use his passing ability, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. And I would put him on that power play unit with them and I'd put him down the bumper, uh, down in the uh, below the red line, and I'd have him make decisions and make passes to Bergeron or Pasternak or whoever. And um and try to do that thing, but it's too it's too telegraphed. Like everybody in the league knows what they're trying to do. It's Pasternak on the on the one timer, or it's bumper to Bergeron. I mean that's what they try to do all the time. So I think that that's and, and let's face it, the defensemen, you know, are are pretty good. You know, are, are pretty good, but they haven't like McAvoy hasn't helped himself on the power play. Like he's he just hasn't been super great there. And I don't know it's because he. He wasn't a major power play guy, you know, the last couple of years or whatever, still learning how to do it or what to do. I think he defers. He, he defers way too much. Like he just, def- and, Ber- and Marshan defers all the time, not only power play, but five on five play. He's constantly looking to pass the guys and make these, make these passes through people and stuff to try to feed his buddies. Like just be more aggressive, just mm-hmm. be more aggressive, get the puck to the net, go to the, you know, DeBrusque is excellent at getting rebounds and scoring around the net. Mm-hmm. Get, get him down there too. Like it's just, it's too one dimensional. It's too, too telegraphed in my, in my opinion. So yeah. like, you know, and, and look at, in 2011, their power play was horrific. It was. It's just as bad as this is. Worse. worse. It was worse. <laughs> it's not worse. It was worse. Like they had no options then. No. Nope. Uh, and they still won the thing. So, you know, how, how big of a deal it is? It's a big deal, but uh, it's not going to make or break them, but they have to get the thing right. 
Uh, all right, DraftKings Sportsbook, Boston's hometown sportsbook is live right here in Massachusetts. Bet local on all your favorite sports from the comfort of your own home with DraftKings. To celebrate, all new customers will receive up to $200 in bonus bets when you sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook using code ITR. You can now bet local on money line spreads, props, and more with one of America's top-rated sportsbooks. That's DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and sign up with the code ITR to get up to $200 in bonus bets to use now that mobile sports betting is live in Massachusetts. That's code ITR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. If you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, call 800-327-5050 or visit helplinema.org to speak with a trained specialist free and confidentially 24-7, 21+, physically present in mass, eligibility restrictions apply, subject to regulatory licensing requirements, eligibility and deposit restrictions apply, opt-in required, bonus issued as free bets, terms at draftkings.com MA. All right, beauties and benders, the three beauties for this week. Beauty number three, Garnet Hathaway. going to love you, eh? They're going to be loving you from dawn until dusk. He fights Pat the Fat Goon Maroon <laughs> <laughs> early on in the, in the contest and then gets the game winner against Tampa Bay late in the second. And as uh, I think it was, it was a Jim Montgomery or someone said recently, Garnet Hathaway, Hathaway is a typical example of the big bad Bruins. He is. I think he fits. I think he fits yeah. perfectly. I think he's yeah. built for the playoffs. I think he's a tremendous guy to have on your team uh, in in uh, in the playoffs because, as Dmitry Orlov said, describing him, um, when the defensemen go back to pick a puck and he's on the ice, you know you're going to get smashed. And he said, and after a while, those defensemen don't want to get smashed anymore, no. and they're no. going to get rid of it quicker than they should. And maybe you know, maybe that's a turnover that leads to a goal that wins you a game. So I think he's a really good guy for that fourth line he kind of creates an identity those other two guys that have been playing with him now no sick especially has been more physical i think since hathaway's joined the team i think they they get pucks down deep they pound guys they turn pucks over uh and they and they've had pretty good success with greer and especially with loco on on the wing there uh you know playing really well uh as a threesome I really hope that they try to get Hathaway. I don't, you know, I don't know what it's going to cost, and I don't know what the marker will be for him. But I really hope they try to at least get another year out of Hathaway, or try to get some sort of deal together because I think he does fit the role really well, and he's a he's a guy we hated for so long. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but he's he's we love him now that he's with the Bruins. Sure. Um, all right, beauty number two, Yako Blauko. Gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. He fights Ross Colton. He scores a goal, playing his role perfectly. He's forechecking, agitating, hitting, doing all the little things well down the stretch. He did get a little bit of a, a ding with the upper body, but we think he'll be okay. But a guy who next year now is in the mix uh, to take a spot in the bottom six in – and I'll tell you, he surprised me because I thought he was going the way of Oscar Steen and, and Stadnika and some of these other guys who weren't going to live to their potential. But I think Lauko is finally finding out how to make his money in the NHL. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's kind of developed some confidence from playing with those guys and playing well. Uh, Jim Montgomery said uh, either yesterday or, or today that uh, he really has a different confidence, a different um, kind of 
air about him uh, when he's around the team, when he's around the coaches, just a different feel to um, his presence uh, with the team. I think he feels like he belongs now uh, and that's showing on the ice. And I'll tell you what, if, if you had to ask me right now uh, who I would rather have on the fourth line, Greer or Lauco, I'm picking Lauco. Sure. I'm picking Laco. Uh, he just has been much more uh, visible lately. I mean, Greer's had his moments. Don't get me wrong. He's he's made some good plays. He's fought. He's he's done all the right things. Um, but Lauco has has a has a speed advantage, and I think he's really good uh, on the forecheck. He's he's making the right plays as far as puck management goes, and I think he really fits well with Hathaway. And, and no sick there. So uh, if, if you had to ask me now, he's in the lineup for me. Me too. And I, and again, I've, I've turned the corner on him because I thought he was just another kind of another guy who wasn't really going to get there and they probably have to move on from him. But I, he's shown me something this year and it's good because they're going to need him uh, to take a spot next year. I think um, for sure. And I think, and I'm with you. I, if it comes down to it, I think AJ Gurr is the guy who's out. Like I just think that, you know, Hathaway is kind of does what he does with more experience and more, you know, maybe some a little more offensive punch when you need it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and Lauko, you know, does what he does as well. I just don't think you need a guy like Greer, especially when it comes playoff time. Uh, so I think uh, I think Lauko is is really finding his way there. So that's good. Uh, and then beauty, beauty number one, David Pasternak. They're gonna love you, eh? They're gonna be loving you from dawn until dusk. So he scores three goals this week. Is fifty-two on the season, over six hundred career points, and and set a career high with ninety-eight points uh, now on the season for Pasternak, and he is now three goals away from Cam Neely, who had fifty-five in the early nineties. Phyllis Pizzito had sixty-one, I think, in seventy-four. I think it was. So he's uh, if he can get four more goals this season. He would have the most goals since Espo in the early mid seventies. Yeah, I mean, pretty impressive. I mean, it really yeah. is. And and hopefully, uh, this is the first of of uh, you know many fifty goal seasons to come with him signing that new uh, eight year contract extension. So uh, hopefully, like I said, this is the first of many fifty goal seasons. But uh, yeah, pretty impressive. Um, you know, fifty two goal, goal season uh, right now with you know. A couple of his line mates, uh, you know, Marcian was out for a period of time and stuff. So, you know, he didn't wasn't always playing with a with a full uh, variety of of uh, the guys at his disposable mm-hmm. disposal there, uh, passing him the puck and so forth. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, really good year for Pasta and and uh, you know, guy they're going to build around for years to come. No question. Yeah, it's been a great year for him. All right, so we're going to do the benders now, and and bender number three is our good friend, Fat Pat Maroon the Goon. <laughs> so he he fight, he fights Hathaway uh, right at the very uh, beginning of the game. He kind of gave it to to Hathaway for the for most of that fight. I mean, he's a he's yeah. a big dude. Uh, he's a big dude, and and Hathaway, you know, got some shots in at the end. But then uh, he takes an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, chirping a little bit too much from the bench uh, later in the first there, and the and the Bruins score. 
the Bergeron goal, and uh, he has to take the uh, skate of shame across the ice. Uh, and you know, fuck that guy. I, I've I've <laughs> I've never I've never I've never been a fan of his. Uh, I hated him when he was on the Blues. I don't yeah. think he's particularly talented. I think he takes up space. I think he's a dickhead. Uh, and and but he's been on winning teams, and he you know he, whatever role he has, he fulfills it well because I don't like him. Uh, so uh, he's obviously doing something right because he's getting under the skin of opposing players and fans and so forth. So um, fat Pat Maroon, <laughs> the goon. Was, uh, it, was fat- it back with the Oilers where he had this tremendous year where he's playing with like super talent? Oh, yeah. Uh, he had this yeah. great year. And yep. then he goes and now he's now he's cup grabbing. Yeah. Like he's just he's just hanging on and winning cups yeah. um, and, and doing his thing in the fourth line and doing really nothing because he, he kind of stinks. Mm-hmm. And then and then Jack Edwards pulled no punches. Like he, he had that whole <laughs> scenario where he had to apologize because, you know, everybody got on him about fat shaming Pat Maroon. Yeah. So now he's still barking about him on the broadcast. Oh, yeah. Just, well, Maroon, Mar- I don't think Maroon really accepted his apology. He I was did. just like, just didn't look at him. Yeah. No. So no. So Jack, you know, doubled down. He's like, yeah, he's, he's like, screw that guy. He's like, he's not going to accept my apology. I'm going to go after him again. And right. and God bless Jack for doing that. Oh, uh, you know, uh, Jack's got his own his own issues and problems, oh, but. But, uh, you know, we love Jack. He's our guy. Uh, He's a massive homer. um, And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, everything's all right with him physically and mentally and so forth. Uh, But, uh, you know, and he hangs it up after this year because I don't think I can take uh, all the mispronouncing. I I think they know. I think they they must realize that. I think they I think that's going to happen. I I just think it is. I, I don't. Um, I don't know who's going to take over that role. I mean, I'd be up for like a Mike Monaco or someone to sure. take that role. Um, but I think I don't think he can come back next year. I really don't. No, no. everybody's talking about it. it's all over social media, I and mean, the Bruins know. I mean, yeah, the Bruins they have know. to. They have to know. Yeah, they have to. They know. Have. Uh, bender number two is the day off after the baseball season opener. Ah, the bender. There's nothing oh worse. The There's nothing worse it. than this. You've been waiting months to play baseball, and you play in 38 degree weather, and you muscle through a game, and you take the next day off. Like, why? What are we taking the next? It happens every year. You I think get they, yourself going. It's a built-in rain. Hell? It's a built-in rain, del- rain, d- yeah. like makeup date. But it's awful. Just like if, like if you, I got news for you. you. You're playing one game. It's not like what do you need a built-in rain delay? You shouldn't need one for? because because if you just it's played the Rex fucking day, right? If you just played and then played and then played, right. like if, if, the next day would be the would be the game anyways. <laughs> what? <laughs> so you're only just, making up one day, which is the day yeah. before. So it's just like play it three months from now. Just. Play the fucking play the game. game for crying out play loud. Everybody's all jazzed. Well, not this week, not this year. No. So, like, if you wanted to go to opening day, like, we could go tomorrow. We could get tickets could, right now uh, yeah, no and sit in the grandstand and go. Like, there's plenty of tickets still available for the oh, Fenway God, home they're opener. Right. Uh, they're, so, they're feeling they're hitting them in the wallet right yeah, now. Yeah, good. It, they deserve it. Yeah. Uh, for it. for skimping on payroll and, and trading yeah. guys they shouldn't be trading. And, and yeah, you know, that's a do. that's another thing altogether. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any damn sense at all. Oh, man. I it, can't it stand it. Every year. You get, and, and what kills me, too, is that they'll lose the opener and you have to wait an extra day yeah. to try to win the first game of the year. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, come on. Just play the damn games. Like, baseball season starts. You're supposed to just play the games. There's no days off in baseball. You just play. Oh like, God, you just play just all play. the damn games. 
games. What do you need a day off for? Oh, my God. The, the season just started. Give them that day off in the middle of fucking July after they played 25 in a row. You don't play one and then get a day off the next day. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Uh, but you know what might be dumber is April Fool's Day. I'm a bender. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is that? Oh, I, I just is the worst fucking day in America. I just don't it's understand. Awful. I mean, maybe it hits you harder because you're a teacher and the kids like, oh, yeah, put your all your chairs upside down and and take yeah, all your yeah. chalk away and and do all these mean things to you. But I just I just don't get I just don't get it. It's like, oh. you know, somebody somebody says something to you like mean or nasty, and they're like April Fools, and you're like, no, fuck you. No, fuck you right in the face. <laughs> fuck you. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, your mom died. April Fools. Like, come on. <laughs> right. I feel like this is for people who don't take life seriously enough, and and they feel like they they got to be the cool kid, and they got to yeah. everybody to like them, so they got to really latch on to April Fools. Day. Yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. Dude. I feel like it's for people who don't have an actual sense of humor. It's like, right. oh, this is what I can right. do. I can tell jokes on April Fools' Day. That aren't funny because it's April Fools. Like, April Fools, yeah. But how about being funny the rest of the year? How about that? Okay. Yeah. How, how about not being an asshole? Yeah. Like, it's it's asshole just it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. I hate it. <laughs> I really do. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I just do. I just do. All right. Uh, Bruins Benders Power Rankings. Number seven, Minnesota Wild, seven, one, and two in their last 10. Matty Boldy up to 28 goals, uh, almost to 40, which is my Boldy prediction. It was your Boldy prediction. He has nine goals in his last five games, yeah. two, hat, two hat tricks in that span. I believe uh, the first Wild player to get two hat tricks in, in uh, that short of a span in, in their history. In their history? Yeah. Wow. Pretty good. Uh, Boldy's been terrific, and so have the Wilds. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, sneaky, sneaky good team heading into the playoffs. Number six, Toronto, six three and one in their last ten. Uh, number five is New Jersey Devils have struggled a bit. They're four four and two in their last ten. They've dropped a few spots. Uh, the New York Rangers are hot as a firecracker with Patrick Kane and Vladimir uh, Tarasenko, eight one and one in their last ten. They've won three in a row. Uh, Vegas is third. They are eight and two in their last ten. They played four goaltenders in four games, which was the first time ever. And there, and Jack Eichel, I saw, is their leading scorer. He's like seventy seventh in the league. So they have the their top scorer is seventy seventh in the league, and they've played and they've had terrible goaltending issues, and they're still first in the division. Well, to Bruce Bruce Cassidy is bringing that structure to the defensive end. You get that yeah. defensive structure and, and yeah. do that end the right way. Do that the right way. Um, you know, you can you can win some games. Are we coming down to Montgomery and Cassidy head to head for the Jack Adams? We could be. Could very well be, but if, if Montgomery doesn't win it, it is a joke. It is a joke because it really the, uh, most people pr- pick the Bruins to not make the playoffs. Right. If people right. forget this. They picked the Bruins to not be a playoff team. And they're and they're running away with the President's Trophy yeah. as we speak. So if, if Montgomery doesn't win it, there should be an investigation into the league. There really should be. There really should be. I mean, like, yeah, people were really thinking they may not they may dip and not make Yeah, the because of the injuries and all that stuff and right. the team getting older right. and so forth. Yeah, yeah. They thought they would they thought they would dip severely. And uh, right. it just hasn't happened. And they've been, you know, obviously the best team in the league for the entire year. 
They have. Uh, all right, number two is Carolina. They're up a uh, spot. Uh, they are up over 100 points. And then Boston is now 57, 12, and 5. Uh, you know, 119 points and uh, cruising and hopefully resting some players as they begin uh, the final stretch here of eight games until the playoffs. Um, so there's your power rankings for this week. Yeah, they certainly certainly should be uh, resting people. Uh, you know who else should be resting people is these teams. They should rest all their players <laughs> so they lose the rest of their games. These are the Bruins, Benders, Bedard, Tank of Lusa teams. And <laughs> coming in at number 30, Chicago, who's doing things correctly. They've lost yep. six in a row. Nice uh, job. Just losing games. Uh, they should be uh, losing games, and they're doing things the right way to try to get Connor Bedard. Uh, number 31, the Columbus Blue Jackets have lost two in a row. Mm-hmm. They uh, will play the Bruins tomorrow night, Thursday night. Uh, and, um, you know, they're, Columbus is trying to lose. The Bruins, you know, trying to win, I guess. Uh, they want to pick up uh, victory number 58 and so forth. But Columbus did this the last time. Like, that game, um, you know, Columbus played them really tough. Uh, and, and they should have been losing on purpose, but uh, apparently the, the guys in that team did not get the memo. Uh, so we'll see how that game goes. Uh, Columbus, you know, has lost two in a row now, but, uh, you know, seemed to get up for the Bruins, I guess. And then coming in at number 32, your Montreal Canadiens, the Arizona Coyotes now with more points than Montreal. Unbelievable, isn't it? Like Montreal, like was kind of middle of the pack for some of the year and have really hit the skids again. Uh, and they are really in the mix for Bedard now. I mean, yeah. 13 points I, out of the, I out mean, the they get a couple of bing pong balls and who the so, fuck Yeah. Knows? I mean, they're, they're hopping in, they're doing it. They're yeah. doing it the right way. And, and if tell you what, if you want to, you want to reignite the Bruins Canadians rivalry, throw Connor Bedard up there in Montreal and, oh, and, yeah. uh, and, and let that, let that thing, uh, you know, light, Light, light a spark to that rivalry because that would be fun as hell. Uh, you know, I, I, I thought of this today. Like, first glance, I'm like, I don't want Montreal to get him. But then I thought, you know what? After watching the Montreal-Boston game this past week, I'm like, I kind of want them to get him because that makes them more relevant. Yeah. And let's go, let's go fucking have a rivalry again. Yeah. I want the, I want the rivalry back. I want it. Yeah. I want it back. I want it to be nasty. Yeah. I want, I want to, I want to see a, a top tier talent like him come in and, and be like a McDavid in the division yeah. and, and cause yeah. problems for everyone and, and, yeah. and have a, have a real rivalry again. So I kind of, I'm kind of with you. I think, I think, Bedard going to Montreal as much as I would hate it because I know he would kill us. But yeah, uh, I think right. I think it would be fun to to, to kind of get that rivalry, you know, stoked back up again. I'm with you. I, I, I think we I think they should. I think it would be great. I think actually to get Montreal back in the mix with Bedard. Uh, all right. Prospect spotlight. And it's Trevor Kuntar who signed a two year entry level deal. One hundred and sixty seven. Uh, sorry. Eight hundred sixty seven thousand per year for two years. He leaves Boston College uh, as a junior and uh, had 13 goals, 16 assists, 29 points, 34 games this season for Kuntar. And we'll see if he signs the amateur tryout uh, or not. Uh, but I'll, you know, we'll see or if he just uh, enters a rookie development camp and goes back to Providence or goes to Providence next season. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think, I mean, uh, it, it's a good guy to have in the mix. He's a third round pick in 2020. Um, and I think that he's a guy who 
his coming along, and I think he'll end up being an NHL player at some at some point, and uh, hopefully he can be a good bottom six guy for them. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that's that's kind of where his role will be with the with the Bruins. All right, poll time this week. We had a poll. Uh, will David Pasternak surpass uh, Cam Neely's 55 goals to have the most goals in a season for the Bruins since the 1990 season? He has 52 now with eight games to play. And uh, 227 votes. Yes, had 86%. And the no's 14%. Some of the write-ins say that they thought that Pasternak might take a game or two off, which could hinder those chances, but it would be nice. It would be cool to see him get to 56 and get the most goal since Espo back. In yeah. The I, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see him do it. Um, just because, you know, you don't see, I mean, it's pretty rare to see, you know, outside of McDavid right now and, and Ovechkin, maybe uh, you don't see guys score, you know, you know, guys will hit 50 occasionally, but it's usually like 50, 51. Like, you don't see 55, right. 60, 65 mm-hmm. goals. So no. anytime you start to get up into the mid-50s and that kind of thing, like, that's yeah. that's kind of exciting. So I like to see that stuff. You know, I've always said, you've always said, like, more goals is more fun. So, uh, yeah. you know, let's 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 score more goals. Let's, let's, uh, let's score as many as we can and, and get pasta, you know, up there on the on the all-time list for the Bruins. Sure. Yeah, let's let's not disallow goals anymore. Yeah. Let's let's score the goals. Let's score. Um, and you know, back in the day, with like McGillney had seventy six, yeah. Salani, yeah, and these guys had in the seventies. McDavid has sixty this year and has a, had a terrific year, one hundred forty three points, yeah, seventy five games. They said that um, the only guys that have over one hundred and forty points in like the last twenty five or thirty years. It's Mario Lemieux, Yaramir Yager, and Connor McDavid, and that's it. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, it is, especially in today's game. To it have, sure you is. You could have 150 points. Yeah, and that's, that's Does, how about the Oilers possibly having three guys with 100 points in the same team? Yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has 100, right? He does not. Yes, he's he's, he's, he's yeah, he's very yeah. close. He's like 98, yeah. 97, somewhere on 96, yeah, he's had somewhere. A really good year. He has had he's a really good year. But you know yeah. what though? <laughs> And this is this is why people are like he's had a good year, but let's settle down because he has fifty power play points, five zero. Fifty. Five zero. So he basically passes the puck to McDavid or Drysidle and they do something with it and then right. score a assist or whatever right. and he gets a point. So, so he goes somewhere else and he won't have that production. Right. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Although he has 50, 50 power play points as you come to the Bruins. Yeah, right. I, w- I, I tell you, I would take him. I, I'll you tell could, you what, his name's popped up here and there the last you know, two, three, four, five years, whatever it is with the Bruins sometimes. And, and yeah, I, I wouldn't mind him. I mean, I, I don't know what you would need to do to get him money wise or, or asset wise. It'd probably be, it'd probably Jesus. be like a DeBrusque and some yeah, other it pieces. Be, it would be top, top roster guys. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Uh, all right. Week ahead for the Bruins, March 30th, first Columbus, April 1st at Pittsburgh. April Fools. April Fools. <laughs> it's still Pittsburgh, though. Uh, and then uh, the next night, another back-to-back because we love them so. Do. Uh, April 2nd. With travel. 
Good times. At St. Louis. Uh, let's go to Pittsburgh and then at St. Louis the next night. Let's do that. Uh, go to InsideTheRink.com for Bruins Benders merchandise. Follow us at Bruins Benders on all sorts of social media. Rate and review on Apple and subscribe and follow on the podcast platform. Sign up for ESPN Plus at InsideTheRink.com slash ESPN and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code ITR to get 200, 200 bonus dollars. And, hey, everybody have a great week. And go Bruins. Thanks a lot. Mm, Bye-bye.